Greetings, fellow sports card enthusiasts. This is the 615 Collector. My name is Doug Turner. And I'm Brandon Turner. We're your hosts of a weekly podcast that's dedicated to the world of sports cards. This is show number 15. And I'm trying, I was trying to think of some significant number 15, so put down in the notes... You know what the uh, 15th Amendment of the Constitution is? You're looking at the notes. You probably I can know. see it. Huh? Is that, like, <laughs> is there any other subtext to that? No, I don't know. Just, Just straight the, up? It's the right to vote. That's the 15th Amendment? The 15th Amendment. The right to vote for who? The right to vote in the country, given, like, when you're, you have the right to vote for our... Was that not in the Bill of Rights? But, like... I don't know. We should like certain people <laughs> initially. I don't know. It may have been. We shouldn't probably have know. the conversation because I'm going to expose my complete naivety on all this. But like and it's then been a minute since I took government, right? Yeah. The other thing is the 15th wedding anniversary. Traditionally, crystal symbolizes clarity and durability of love. The modern gift is a timepiece clock watch. You know, I think actually think I got your mom our grandfather clock for our 15th. That just hmm. goes to show how romantic I am I suppose it represents all the many hours and minutes spent together I'm not sure that's the best type of gift anyway and then oh some athletes that wore jersey number 15 Carmelo Anthony Carmelo. Hello. Yeah, in his early years or mm-hmm. with your with uh, the Nuggets I don't think he wears 15 now right he doesn't I don't, I don't think don't think so because no. he's with the Lakers I think he's got like and uh, 20 something I'm your boy really sure. wears the 15 we'll get to that in a minute Vince Carter yes. does Vinny Del Negro and then I say your boy so Montrezl Montrezl Harrell. Sixth man of the year. He wears 15. Vinny Johnson, the old point guard with the Detroit Pistons. Danny Manning. Latrell Sprewell. There's some couple of blasts from the past. Uh, the Joker, but I like to call him Nicola. And uh, other sports, you got guys like Bart Starr. Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes wears number 15. Thurman Munson, Joe Torre, Dustin Pedroia, Tim Tebow. A, a former Bronco and other things. Brandon Marshall, another Bronco. A lot of a lot of guys. A lot, a lot of fifteens. Yeah, a lot of number fifteen. So. Well, when you think about it, there's probably only like a good like thirty numbers that are pretty common. So a lot of no matter what number you pick, you're gonna have some great people who True. wore that. I feel like fifteen's not a common number though. Probably so. not. But like, if you like go through like if you really think about it, like in most sports, unless it's like football, like the one through thirty range is kind of. Yeah. That's where that's like really kind of where most players pick from. That may be something we need to do on a show. On like every show, say who's the most iconic or famous athlete that wears the jersey number of that show number. That'll be a couple easy ones for that. Yeah, fifteen. Yeah, pick and choose. You probably what have to go looking at this list. I probably of course there's others we on that we don't have on this list, but I might have to go Patrick Mahomes oh, yeah, or no, Bart sure. Starr. I would say Patrick Mahomes. Bart Starr if you're going a little older, but yeah, a lot of good good ones on the list. All right. Well, as a reminder, we are independent. That's intentional. We do not take sponsorships. We do not get paid by anyone that we talk about on our show, and we do that so we can remain unbiased in the information that we provide to you, our listeners of the show. That's important to us. It gives us the freedom to talk about anyone or anything we want without omission. Because sometimes you'll hear people say that, oh, well, they, you know, they're free to talk about whatever, but they will fail to mention competitors of the people that sponsor them. So we do not have that restriction. And if it's newsworthy, we're going to mention it regardless. And then we also have the freedom to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever, about all the companies that we talk about. So Uh, Just thought we'd mention that at the top of each show. We'll do a shorter version of that next time, I promise. But that way, 
we don't have to caveat things every time we talk about a company or a business or whatever, given that we are, good news here, regularly getting new listeners of the show. And in that regard, I can't remember, did I mention to you that we now have listeners in four countries? Yeah. Yeah. We're international. Picked up, we added Portugal, a listener from Portugal this past week. So thank you, or listeners. I don't know if it was one or multiple. I just know we have listeners in Portugal. So thank you to the, anyone that might be listening to us in Portugal. We certainly appreciate that. And welcome to the show. Our reach continues to grow. We've added listeners in a bunch of new cities around the U.S. and as well as Canada and other places like we just mentioned. So thanks to everybody that's tuning in. We really, truly do appreciate it. So, Brandon, where do we want to start today? Um, well, I don't know. We could we can talk about big sports, big weekend. sports weekend, but you also had, you know, some submissions, I think. Yeah, PSA, PSA another economy event. Well, we, big sports weekend coming up. You got the NHL All-Star Weekend. You have NFL Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl, although and I don't know if anyone really cares about that. But Only if you like, if you really like football. And then you do have the start of the Winter Olympics. That's big. Mm-hmm. That's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that, actually. All right, yeah, you mentioned PSA. So they did two more economy events. Can't remember. We may have mentioned that last time. I don't know, though. I don't know if they announced it when we did the last show. Uh, anyway, it was the, they were this past week. They're both done. It was, the, I think, the first and third of February were two economy events didn't wasn't able to get in on the one on the first I did get in on the second one that was on the third that was great I was I did a post on social media because I I was trying to I'm just curious about how many slots they're allowing in and initially I was thinking maybe it was 2,000 and but this time and at first I thought maybe it was only a thousand but this time I got in as a number uh, 1148 oh, this that was my number in the queue and I got in so I thought, oh, well, maybe they're doing 2,000. So I put out a social media post to ask around, hey, anyone else, you know, get in? What was their number in the queue? There was another guy that said that he was, like, in the 2,000 range and got in. And then there was someone else that said they were in the three or 4,000 range and didn't get in. So I'm guessing they had maybe 2,500 to 3,000 slots. It's really not a lot. Something like that. Well, they And remember, they give you five cards. If you get a slot in the economy events, you get five cards. That's the maximum allocation. Now, you don't have to use all five. You can use one or any number in between one and five or none, really. But you get that allocation. It lasts for a certain period of time. I forget. It's 10 days, 15 days, whatever it is, and then it expires. But so that means if they were, for example, doing 3,000 five cards, that'd be 15,000 cards. They did two of those. So that's 30,000 cards. So, you know, uh, anyway, it's just kind of interesting to get a feel for how many cards they might be taking in and what that might look like. Uh, Let's see. And remember, the economy event, also the value of the card can be up to 999, basically under $1,000. And if the card's valued more than that, you will likely get an upcharge, which we've talked about before, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because that means your card got a good grade and the value of the card went up or will likely be more. So that's good. So All right, well, what did you send in? Yeah, so I sent in a Yarimer Yager. That's one of those fun names to pronounce that we've talked about in the past. But I had a rookie card of his. It was the Opeachy Premier card. Um, I, I, I like that card. I've been wanting to send it in. I think there's a really good chance that card gets a 10. If it does, it'll be a great uh, a great value for me. If it doesn't, then I'm probably not going to make any money on the card, but that's okay. I'm probably keeping that one in the personal collection for a while anyway. And then I sent in some Derek Jeter rookie cards. I also sent in a Michael Jordan 
uh, rookie or well, it's a, his baseball rookie baseball card uh, when he left basketball for a year or two there. It was the upper deck. I think it's a '91, if I'm not mistaken. I forget 91. the year. '91, maybe is it? I thought it was '94 and '95. That he but the upper deck card was a. Was it released earlier? You know, now that I say he it, played I don't. '91, '92, '93. They won championships. And yeah. '94 and '95. I don't have Houston it in front won of me. because he was out playing yeah. baseball. I, I don't. I don't have it in front of me. But it was. It, I don't remember. It was in, let's just say it was early '90s. I, I should know. I for some reason I want to say it was '91, but I could be wrong. But anyway, well, it's, it's I mean, upper deck, and know. it's a short print, and it's his. It's it, it's a fairly if it gets a ten, I think there's a good shot it gets a ten. If it gets a ten, it's probably a five to six hundred dollar card. That and uh, but if it doesn't get a ten, it's you know probably I don't know hundred dollar card, hundred fifty dollar card. So it really won't be that much that worth it. If I get a nine, I probably break even. Same thing on the Yarmer Yager. Same thing on the Derek Jeters. On all those, I would say if I get nines on them, I'm probably going to break even, maybe make a buck or two, maybe lose a buck or two, depending on where the market is. Um, but I'm not going to sell those anyway. I'm probably going to hold those in the personal collection. Although I say that, actually, I might sell the Jordan and I might sell the Jeters because I already have a 10, a PSA 10 of that Jordan card, and I have a PSA 10 of the Jeter rookie. So I might sell those if I if they come back 10s. So we'll see. And I think they, I, you know, look, I graded them. I think there's a better than 50-50 shot. Those are going to get 10s. Uh, it just depends. You know, you're hearing so many stories nowadays about PSA getting a little tougher and how they grade. And I personally haven't necessarily experienced that. Although I say that, I think I did with the Ant-Man card I submitted. I thought that should have got a 10. It got a 9. That surprised me a little bit. But And when I say Ant-Man, I mean Anthony Edwards with the Minnesota Timberwolves, not, the, not a Marvel character card. Because there are the Marvel cards out there mm. that are doing well too. But anyway, so yeah, so we'll see. Um, it's supposed to be 90 day turnaround time on that. So hopefully, in about two or three months, we can be doing a reveal and sharing what grades we got on those cards. Let's go ahead and give the rundown for what we're going to cover on the show today. All right. Well, first, we're going to cover some of the latest hobby news in the halftime report. Then, in film study, we'll provide our picks for the Super Bowl and talk some NFL stuff. We've also got some baseball stuff planned for that segment. Hall of Fame results, and then a bunch of NBA stuff, including trade rumors with the trade deadline approaching, as well as all-star stuff. So if we have time, we will jump into the coach's corner, talk about more set composition and the different types of cards, uh, parallels, inserts, variations, etc., that sort of thing, that are in sets these days. Although, if we get talking too much in film study, then we may have to push that to the next show. And then one way or another, we will wrap up the show. Yeah, we should also say that we are working on an idea from one of our listeners last show we talked about idea that came from sean out in california brought up a significant he said hey you know talk about significant milestone anniversary dates like from the last show and maybe review cards from players that are related to that that type of thing thought it was a good idea we are planning to do that we're working on some things there and so hope to have a new segment in that regard on our next show and let's see what else yeah we do have got a jam-packed show for today we probably aren't gonna get to the coach's corner and gonna have to push that the next time as well but we'll see why don't we go ahead and jump in then and get started with the halftime report so we already talked about the psa economy event so we'll start with their notice about shipping yeah before we do that i will just say that listeners may want to follow PSA on social media. They've got Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff, because that's where they are announcing 
these economy events. And I suspect they're going to have more during the month of February and obviously going forward. So follow them to learn more about when those are. And then they also post the links to get into the queue. So you log into the queue an hour before the event starts and they post those links on their social media sites as well. All right, so back to the news about shipping issues. PSA released some shipping guidance this past week and said that package tampering is on the rise. And while they are doing their part to protect customers by closely inspecting packages and rejecting those that cause a concern, so customers can file an insurance claim with the carrier, they are encouraging customers to do the following. Never reuse a box, never retape a box, and always use tamper-evident shipping tape. Yeah, they also recommended that people use USPS, the United States Postal Service, and FedEx Express, and said people should not use UPS or FedEx ground services. They also recommend purchasing shipping insurance equal to the declared value of the submission and possibly shipping a box within a box for added safety. And I will say, for what it's worth, I unfortunately don't follow most of the advice they put out. So I'm going to have to look at that now and maybe change the way I've been sending stuff in. I have heard of stories, and I have heard particularly of, of them coming from UPS, where UPS drivers are opening boxes and stealing cards, or else they're opening boxes and maybe swapping cards out, tampering with it, that type of thing. So it is good to see that PSA at least is putting out some recommendations about how to avoid that type of thing from happening, although it is a little disconcerting to hear that it's becoming a bigger problem where they have to actually put an announcement out like this. So that stinks. Hopefully the shipping carriers can kind of crack down on their drivers. And I'm sure it's a very, very small percentage. So I'm sure that most of the drivers out there are fantastic and have high integrity in that regard. But and I will say I've never had a problem. I've shipped a bunch of cards to, to all, you know, SGC and PSA and all those companies quite often, and I've never had an issue. But nonetheless, it's um, all it takes is one. And so I do think I'm going to start following their advice of not reusing a box, using that tamper-evident tape. You can buy that. I've seen that online. You can buy that stuff and use that on your, on your tape or on your box. And then I do use UPS, although I, they talked about UPS ground, so I don't know, you know, maybe I'll, I'll consider using FedEx or, or US, FedEx Express, I should say, or USPS. And the one thing I think is good, too, and just so our listeners know, when they talked about that they're doing their part to protect customers by closely inspecting packages, that's what they're doing. They're trying to inspect the package to see if it's been opened or tampered with. And so obviously, if you're reusing a box, that makes it harder to do because that box has been opened and you reused it. So they makes it harder for them to tell if the box has been tampered with, whereas if it's a new box, you know, they'll know right away. It looks like this has been tampered with. And, and same thing with the tape, not reusing the tape and using tamper-evident tape. So that's the point of all of that is just making it easier for them. And I would say this. I do buy insurance. Um, I do what they say. I buy insurance equal to the, declared, to the declared value. I would definitely recommend people do that. The other thing I'll say, the last thing I'll say on that, and then we can move on because I don't want to take too much time on this, but... Um, that, that that bunch of people ask questions I've seen all the time on in a bunch of uh, social media groups and stuff like that on what you should put in as a declared value, and there's sort of a misperception that if you put in a you know a, a higher value somehow you're going to pay more or whatever you know that's not the case PSA is going to evaluate and they're the ones that do it by value right they're they're going to evaluate the card and grade it and then based on that grade they're going to determine they've got values they assign and then that's what they're going to use to to charge you for it so. 
and I've heard of guys that'll say, well, I just put a dollar on everything. And then other guys will say, I put the max for that service level. So like on the economy service level, they'll put the max 999 on everything, you know, whatever. I, that's probably a better strategy than putting a dollar on everything. Um, but I would try to give a fair value for what you think those cards are worth if they get the grade that you think. So like, for example, in that submission I just talked about where I think those cards are going to get 10s, I declared a value on those cards as if they got a grade of a 10. And then that's what I used for my shipping insurance um, to, to, to ship the cards because if something were to happen to them, that's the value I want to be able to get back for that. Now, I know I pay a little more for that insurance, but I would rather that and be comfortable that I'm protected uh, than the other way around. So anyway, just just a little bit of a, a PSA. No, there's a dad joke right there, mm -hmm. I guess. No pun intended. Public service announcement on how to ship cards to PSA. All right. Well, let's keep moving here. Yeah, agreed. What do we got next? Oh, this one's me. Uh, in other PSA news, we do keep up with their daily grading volume, and I have noticed a decent pickup of late. During the month of January, they were averaging about 180,000 cards per week. And in the early part of February so far, that has jumped to an average of over 220,000 cards per week. So that's a pretty significant jump. If they maintain that pace, I think we could definitely see another service level open up later this year. Remember, they still got the value service level that would ostensibly be at a lower price point than the $50 that the economy level's at. Or at the very least, I think they'll increase their capacity in the economy service level, whereas right now they're you know doing these queue events and limiting you to five cards. They probably get either more spots in the queue and or more cards per spot as that capacity continues to grow and they continue to get caught up on the backlog. And one last point there, you know, it's been interesting to watch the other grading companies as PSA has started to open back up again, because remember that is a competitive threat to those other companies. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic to watch. What's going to happen to BGS? What's going to happen to CG? CGS and what's going to happen to SGC and some of the other smaller players like HGA um, who've, who've got a little bit of a niche in the market. So going to be interesting to watch. We talked last week how SGC has opened up some new service levels and some different price points. I would imagine that's somewhat in, you know, uh, counter response to PSA opening back up to compete. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. All right. In fractional ownership news, the collectible announced several buyout offers over the past couple of weeks. These included a 75000 offer for a LeBron James 2003 SP Authentic autographed card. Yeah, that card was graded by BGS, and the card had a grade of 9.5, and, and the autograph had a grade of 10. It came public at $50,000 was the value. It was trading around 62000 prior to the offer, and that $75,000 offer was accepted by shareholders. They also received a $100,000 offer for a 2017 Panini Flawless Emerald RPA that was graded a nine by BGS and it was serial numbered five out of five. Yeah, that was the number five out of five card and the RPA again just stands for Rookie Patch Autograph for those that are listening and, and don't know that acronym. That card came public on the platform for $79,500. It was trading flat about that same price prior to the offer, but actually before shareholders could vote on it, someone else came in with a higher offer of $115,000 and outbid that $100,000 offer and that higher offer was accepted by the shareholders. Next, they received an offer of 55000 for a basket of three game-used autographed jerseys of Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, and Dan Marino. Yeah, and that offering came public at $50,000. It was trading down, actually, around 30700 give or take, so let's call it 31000 
prior to the offer, and that $55,000 offer was actually rejected by shareholders. Finally, they received a $91,200 offer on their 1957 Tops Frank Robinson basket, which included two cards, both graded a 9 by PSA. Yeah, and that basket came public at a value of $76,000 and was trading around $87,000 prior to the buyout offer. And just this afternoon, actually, someone else came in and made a higher offer of 96000 so shareholders are now voting on whether or not to accept that offer. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. And just real quick on what happens with these offers. So if they get accepted, then basically that whoever made that offer buys the card, and all the shareholders get their pro rata share of those proceeds. So Collectible pays that out. You get that in your account on Collectible. And if it gets rejected then then the the card goes back on the collectible platform and continues to trade on the market there like it did before like as, the, as if there was no offer and the shareholders just continue to own their shares that they had in that card uh okay so some of the upcoming ipos on these platforms we haven't talked about those in a while they there's some interesting one comment that are in, uh, easy for me to say uh, interesting ones coming and we're not going to touch on all of them, but a couple of them include, and we'll start with collectible. There's a basket of two Dan Marino rookie cards. That's the in that 1984 Tops set. That's that 84 Tops card. It also has the John Elway rookie, and there's some good rookies in that set. But both of the Dan Marino cards are graded a 10 by BGS. These are the pristine 10, not the black label. So, uh, you know, that means there three of the subgrades got 10, and there was one nine and a half on the subgrade. Still a very good grade. Those are coming at a value of $16,500 for the basket. So that would equate to $8,250 per card. You know, honestly, I know that's a lot of money, but I don't think that's a bad price for those cards. And I think if you've got a long-term investment horizon, I think there's some value there. And I think that Dan, especially in a 10 grade, both that Dan Marino and that that John Elway from that 84 top set, I think offer some interesting long-term investment value. So that's one... I would potentially buy shares in. And remember, you don't have to, you could buy $100 worth if that's all you want to do, or you could buy $50, or you could buy $1,000. You know, that's the nice thing about those fractional ownership platforms is you can you can buy what you can afford and own a piece of those cards. But I would I would say that that's not a short-term flip. I, if you're looking for a short-term flip, I don't, I don't think that's the way to go about it. They're also offering a basket of two Phil Mickelson cards. These are the 2002 SP Authentic Autograph Cards, serial numbered to 799, and both graded a 10 by PSA. Yeah, and they haven't announced the valuation on those, uh, that what it'll be coming at yet, so we'll have to wait for that to see. I do like that card, though. I really like that card. I actually have a, I own that card on, I think it's the Dibs. It's either the Dibs or the Otis platform. I think it's the Dibs platform that I own that card. That one, though, is in a PSA 9 as opposed to a PSA 10. It is serial number, though, so there's only 799 of those cards. And I like Phil Mickelson. We've talked about him before in our shows. I think he's a long-term good investment for some of his cards. That said, it depends what price they come at. I think if that comes at a price, there's two of them, right? So if it comes at a price of you know 5000 or more, I'd probably wait and see how it trades in the secondary market before jumping in on it. But we'll just have to wait and see what the value is. All right, and then Dibs has a couple of interesting hockey card offerings that are currently available. The first is a 2005 Upper Deck rookie card of Sidney Crosby, graded a 10 by PSA. Yeah, that card's been selling around $3,500 to $4,000 pretty consistently, and it's offered at $3,600 on the Dibs platform. So honestly, that one looks interesting to me because, again, 
from a long-term investment value as opposed to a short-term flip. I, I wouldn't do it for a short-term flip, but long-term investment value, I think there's upside in Sidney Crosby, especially his rookie card in a PSA 10 like that. Um, so I, I, that's an interesting offering and one that I'll probably look to get in on. All right, and then they also have a 2015 Upper Deck rookie card of Connor McDavid. That is also a PSA 10. Yeah, and that one's been selling for around $3,000 to $3,500. It's currently offered at $3,300 on the Dibs platform. So right there, right in the middle of comp values. So that's another interesting one that if you're looking for a long-term investment. Remember, we've talked about hockey, how there's some opportunity in those cards, I think, for, for long-term investors. And so that's another one that's interesting to me, and that's another one that I'm going to probably try to look to get in on. All right, switching gears, we'll talk a little bit about some auction results. There have been a lot of record-breaking sales in auctions over the past couple of weeks. We won't touch on every single one of them. It's mostly been in the high-end stuff. There's been a lot of vintage stuff, like there was a 1914 Cracker Jack set of baseball cards that sold in a heritage auction. A bunch of them were breaking records. There's been a couple of Serena Williams cards that have been breaking records that we've talked about. A lot of your higher-end serial-numbered and low-pop insert cards and parallels, including rookie patch autographs, stuff like that, those are the things that are setting record prices. Your mid-tier to lower-end stuff is typically not faring as well. And when I talk about that, I'm talking more about your modern and ultra-modern, not your vintage stuff. Like I said before, the vintage stuff is, is still doing well. And that's consistent with what we talked about a couple of shows ago when we provided our view on the state of the market and what we thought would transpire over the next 12 to 18 months. In hockey news, Upper Deck revealed the Series 1 Young Guns checklist. Yeah, that's the flagship kind of rookie card, those Young Guns for hockey. And the headliners, they said in Series, well, I say the headline. They didn't say the headliners. I suppose that's me in in Series 1. They will include rookies like um, one guy we talked about, I think, last week or the week before was Trevor Zegras. Um, he's, he's a really interesting player. Remember, he's the one I said, go check out that YouTube video of a little puck flip he did from behind the net to score a goal. That was awesome. Uh, Cole Caulfield, Spencer Knight, and then our very own, right? We are called the 615 Collector. So right here in Nashville, a Nashville predator is uh, Tanner Janot. And so though you can look for those uh, rookie cards in the Series 1 Young Gun set from Upper Deck that's coming out. All right, so moving on, Starstock announced that they are suspending their intake of raw cards and that they've also laid off some employees as they look to focus more heavily on graded cards, wax, and new collectible categories, as well as their live stream business. Yeah, this was interesting news. Starstock, member is a marketplace. They do some auctions. They've got a vault, um, but they've got that marketplace for cards. And they do some breaking, too. But a lot of people weren't happy with the way they handled this. I will say, I felt like it came a little bit out of left field, They put a post out on social media that was a little bit cryptic, didn't provide a lot of information, but just basically said, hey, we're not going to accept raw cards anymore. Seemed a little abrupt. It didn't talk about some of the staff layoffs that they were doing. And so people quickly became concerned. And honestly, I think this could be a little bit of a harbinger for the industry. There is a slowdown coming, or in a lot of ways, it's already here. So it is going to be interesting to see which firms are able to weather the storm. This is something that collectors and investors are going to need to take note of because there is precedent here. Remember, you know, there's been a lot of many new startups. And if you go back the last time we've seen something like this in the 80s and 90s, you had a similar thing where a lot of new companies came in the space and then a lot of them actually went bankrupt. They weren't able to survive. And so you got to be a little careful who you deal with. I do think Starstock is a good company and I do personally like their platform. We've talked about them before. 
But who knows if they're able to manage their business through a downturn and come out stronger on the other side or whether they're able to, you know, sustain a viable business and or, or, or not able to sustain a viable business, I should say, and have to ultimately shut their doors. So time will tell. I suspect there's going to be others that will face similar challenges like this, and it will change kind of the budding landscape we're seeing of this industry right now. But again, I'm optimistic on the long term for the space. I also, though, think that companies are going to need to be well capitalized and have strong hands and deep pockets among their investors in order to be successful, and especially those that are nascent to the space have only been around for a short period of time. All right, so switching to WNBA news, the WNBA announced that they have raised $75 million at a $1 billion valuation, and will use that capital to fuel growth and long-term transformation of the league. Yeah, that was um, very needed, I will say. I agree. The WNBA has been, like, losing money for a pretty long time, so it's, yeah, it's, 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 like, pretty bad. The NBA keeps pumping money into it, so it's good to see that they're getting a few other investors kind of outside the just you know the nba i agree i think it's good news and some of the investors that are in that lineup uh, of this recent capital raise include people like condoleezza rice or karen feinerman um michael some people if you don't know karen feinerman is probably known for a variety of things but she's on uh, cnbc a lot of a lot of times she runs a hedge fund other things michael dell of the dell computer fame uh, joseph sai um, he is the owner of the brooklyn nets also owns the wnba new york liberty team and is the co-founder of Alibaba. He also had people like Mickey Arison, who's the owner of the Miami, your beloved Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nike, the company, was an investor. You've got uh, members of the Haslam family, Bill Haslam, who's the former, former governor of our beloved state here in Tennessee, and a variety of others. And I will say on this one, too, I really believe if you've got a sealed box of the first Panini Prism WNBA product, which was 2020, and I do have one of those, by the way. I bought two, one out so I could keep sealed, one so I could open because I wanted to go hunting for a Sabrina Ionescu card. And unfortunately, or fortunately, I should say, I did get a Sabrina Ionescu, so I kept the other one sealed. And I'm probably going to keep that sealed. I think that is going to be a really good long-term investment. So it was also announced the Super Bowl ads are sold out, some at record prices of as much as $7 million for a 30-second spot. Supposedly, about 40% of the ad roster is from new advertisers this year. $7 million for a 30-second spot. Imagine that. And, and hopefully well, you produce a commercial that leaves a lasting impression and not one of those that flops, and then you just go, oh, man, we just wasted $7 million. I don't think it's a waste. I mean, when you actually break it down and see how many people are actually going to see it, yeah, the cost like per person is really not crazy high. That's but $7 true. million is still quite, quite a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. So I don't know. We'll see. All right, switching gears and going over to tennis news. This was interesting because Rafael Nadal, for any of those that watched the Australian Open, he won that, and that marked his 21st Grand Slam title, which moves him into the lead. He now has the most Grand Slam titles in tennis history. This win put him one above Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic, who both have 20. And as a side note, I got to tell you, if people don't pay attention to tennis, you should, and I think a lot of people do, but for anyone that doesn't, you should, because we're going to look back on, at this time right now in the tennis industry and realize that this was a golden era for tennis. You've got four of what I think are going to end up being, and already are, the some of the all-time greatest tennis players ever in Nadal, Federer, Djokovic, and then obviously Serena Williams on the women's side. 
and they're all playing the same time. They all may be getting near the end of their careers. We'll see. Hopefully, they've got more, a few more years left uh, to continue to play. But, and I think the cards of all those athletes are really interesting long-term and you know investments. And we've already seen how like Serena Williams' cards are setting records. And so we don't have time today, but maybe on another show we can talk about some of the cards for each of those uh, athletes and and what to look for. So the Winter Olympics kicks off this weekend, and Sports Collectors Digest had a nice piece on Olympics cards. So you can check out that on their website, which is www.sportscollectorsdigest.com. Has to get the S's right. I know, that's a a mouthful right there. www.sportscollectorsdigest.com. There you go. And no, we are not paid to say that. Uh, But anyway, they did have a nice article out there, and they talked about some of the Olympic cards we talked about this a little bit on some previous shows. We mentioned some of the athletes that are going to be participating in the upcoming Olympics and some of the cards to take a look at. Uh, we did that quite some time ago, actually, which was good because now those cards have moved up in value. Obviously, the Olympic, Olympics get closer. Um, and so I, I think another way to look at this is there are Sports Illustrated for kids cards that a lot of these Olympic athletes end up having, and a lot of times that will end up being the rookie, what's you know referred to as the rookie cards. And so those are interesting. And, and for this Olympics, you could look at uh, people like Chloe Kim, who has a Sports Illustrated for Kids card in 2016. Sean White, the uh, what's his nickname again? The Flaming Tomato? Flying, or tomato. flying tomato. Yeah, Flaming. flaming tomato. <laughs> it would be Flying Tomato. That makes sense. Sean White, his is in 2003. Uh, Michaela Schifrin, all these, uh, easy for me to say. I'm tongue-tied today, I guess. But she has a SI for kids card in 2014. Another interesting one, I think, we're talking about hockey, is women's hockey, and that's Hillary Knight. Now, I don't know that she's got a Sports Illustrated for kids card, but she does have an Allen and Ginter card out there that's kind of interesting. So you can maybe look for those if you want to collect some of the Winter Olympic athlete cards. All right, and then a couple of quick card release notes. Panini released their Rookies and Stars football product, which comes six packs per box, 10 cards a pack. And you can expect to get two autos, two memorabilia cards, five numbered parallels, 12 rookies, 12 inserts, and six OptiChrome inserts. Yeah, the Crusade insert is somewhat popular in that set. It also includes what's called the Dress for Success insert, which is an autograph memorabilia card of top players from the 2021 draft class. I will say that set's probably more of a value brand, but there are some interesting cards in it. Panini also released their playoff football set, and each box contains two autos, one relic, four parallels, 12 inserts, and 12 rookies. Is this a value brand as well? It is. I would say it is. Uh, The cards in that set are not going to command, both in that one and the rookies and stars, they're not going to command monster prices, but they're nice sets. They're nice cards, and so for collectors that are looking for more of a value product, it's a good way to go because, you look, I mean, let's face it, not everyone can afford these. It's kind of, in some ways, it's gotten ridiculous. You're paying 600, 800, 1,000 or more a box, and you get very few cards. So it's nice to have some of these other more value brands that might, I say only, you know, be 100 or $200 a box or something like that. That's still not exactly cheap, um, but at least it's a lot less expensive than some of the others. So, all right, we've covered a lot of ground. I think that probably does it for today. Let's move on to our film study. All right, so where do we want to go first? We want to cover baseball, football, and basketball today. So and that's we got a lot of ground. Let's do baseball first. We want to start baseball first. All right, so we haven't talked about the Hall of Fame. As our dog barks in the background, we'll try to edit that out. But if anyone hear it. hears it, I can't even hear yeah. it. 
There you go. That's our dog, Shia, who actually has a bigger following than us on Instagram, by yeah, the way. She does. She's like, <laughs> <Good Lord. laughs> it's crazy. I guess dogs are, are more interesting. Um, anyway, Baseball Hall of Fame. So in some ways, it's old news now. We haven't had a chance to talk about this because we've been busy with other topics on our show and guest interviews and stuff like that. But there was, the obviously, David Ortiz got voted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, guys like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens did not. It was the last year they were eligible, so there's been a lot of talk around that. I think everything that you know needs to be said has been said on this, so I'm not sure there's any value that we or, or anything additional that we can add to the conversation. Um, I guess the only couple of things that I would say just to put our two cents in there. Well, first of all, remember Bonds and Clemens, and I don't remember if it was um, – uh, was it Sosa and um, – Oh shoot! What's his name? Why is the Why is the Red Sox pitcher named uh, Schilling? Kurt Schilling. I don't know if they were at ten years as well. Anyway, there is another way for these guys to get in, and that is the Veterans Committee. I'm not exactly sure. I think it's a while, several months now, from or maybe even a year before the Veterans Committee makes that determination. So we'll have to wait and see if they get in that way. But either way, I'm not sure, honestly, it'll make much of a difference from a card market perspective. So that's the questions that I've seen asked of us over the last couple of weeks is, well, how does this impact the card values of all these guys? I think for David Ortiz, for anyone that gets in the Hall of Fame, it certainly gives them a little bit of a bump. And you can see that in David Ortiz cards. I'm looking at, for example, he has a 1997 Fleer card that's one of his rookie cards by the way that's in a twins uniform a lot of people uh, associate him with the boston red sox because he had a very successful career there but he actually started out with the minnesota twins and if you look at that card in a psa 10 it actually did you know move up a little bit it was probably in the you know three four hundred dollar range moved up into the five six hundred dollar range after that hall of fame vote so did get a little bit of a pop i wouldn't chase it my guess is over the over the coming months it might come down a little bit i don't know that it'll come down a lot so anyway but i wouldn't chase it but i do it does give you pop look if you go and look at any of the sets from you know older sets because you have to you know you're not going to find them in modern sets because aren't hall of fame player they have to you know wait till they retire and all that kind of and then have the years time and everything else before they get into the hall but if you look at the older sets and you look at the players that are in the hall of fame those are the cards in each of the sets that carry the higher values. So, yes, being in the Hall of Fame will generally get you a higher value. But that's also – a lot of times it's a foregone conclusion too, right? I mean, guys know that, hey, this player was a stud and put together a fantastic career. And so it's not like it's a surprise that they get into the Hall of Fame. So some, sometimes it's already baked into the card prices and you don't necessarily see a, a bump in value. Now, I think with Ortiz – there was a bump in value because I think it was a little unexpected, to be honest, especially because that was a first, he was first ballot, right? I think that was his I first, so. yeah, I think that was first yeah. ballot. So I think it was a little unexpected. And so that then caused a little bit of a bump. Um, now, by the way, interesting fact on David Ortiz that people may not know is that when he first came into the league, his some of his first cards produced in 1997, those Fleer cards, that type of thing, actually don't have Ortiz as his last name on them. They have, and I don't even know how you pronounce it, to be honest. It's 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 Arias or Arias. It's A-R-I-A-S, David A-R-I-A-S, Arias. 
that was that was the last name used on those cards yeah and so it wasn't i think it was nine was it 98 i think it was 1998 and there might have been a couple of 97 cards but he preferred and i don't know the whole backstory there about why the name or whatever but he preferred ortiz he goes by david ortiz and so that then there was a change in some of the cards and so now the 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 cards after that 97 fleer um, card release came out and there may have been a couple different sets i apologize i don't have all the details on all the sets in front of me but a um, couple of those early sets had Arias, and then the sets after that had David Ortiz. So anyway, I say that because like if you go to Gemrate or you go to, you know, some of the grading company sites and try to look up pop counts, you may not find the cards you're looking for because you may be looking up David Ortiz and just know that you're going to have to look up David Arias to find cards under that name, and then you're going to look up David Ortiz to find cards under that name. Nonetheless, I think that Big Poppy gets a bit of a card pop. Mm-hmm. Another dad joke, I guess, there, um, as a result of getting voted in the Hall of Fame. And the only thing, we haven't given our take on that. The only take I'm going to add about the whole controversy about Bonds and Clemens and everything else, I will say this. On the one hand, I like the idea of cheaters not being in the Hall of Fame. And I know as soon as I say that word, cheaters, you're going to get a bunch. There's people on on polar opposite sides of this argument where some people think it's ridiculous they ought to be in other people you know nothing was proven whatever on the other side there's people saying oh my goodness the biggest cheaters in in the sport look set that i look set that aside irrespective of what bonds and clemens did i'm just or didn't do i'm just saying on principle i'm in favor of the concept of saying that cheaters guys that cheated the sport should not get in the hall of fame um, on principle, right? However, the other thing that here that I would say is I also believe you need to be consistent in your application. If you're going to use that, then you need to be consistent in how you apply it. And so if you let some people in that maybe were known to cheat in different ways, but not others, then, then you have hypocrisy. And that's where I'm not, you know, I'm against that. I don't think that's right. I don't think if you look at the people in the hall of fame and you say well this one cheated they shouldn't be in but then you say well this one's in and they they were proven to have cheated too so you need to apply it consistently in my opinion that's the only thing i would say about that and and i do think the league bears responsibility here i did hear one a couple of people talk about how bud selig is in the hall of fame and he's one of the ones that presided over what's come to be known as the steroid era in baseball and you know there is and that's an example of maybe that hypocrisy and now you can't say that he went out and made these players do it but he did reside over it he probably i don't know anyway maybe we probably shouldn't get into the argument about what he may have known and not known and all that kind of stuff but it does feel like the league maybe turned a little bit of a blind eye they obviously benefited tremendously from you know the the home run race that bonds and mcguire and sosa had anyway who knows about all that stuff i mean i but i guess at the end of the day i will say that like I think you, I I think cheaters shouldn't be in, but I think you have to apply it consistently. And so, if you've let some in, and not others, then you get the hypocrisy. And I and I think you're going to have a hard time standing behind that. I don't know. It's a tough case. Now, Bonds and Clemens cards, I don't think they go down in value because they're not in the hall. I think guys are already going to think what they think about them one way or the other. And so, I think the values that you see reflected in the market for their cards, they're going to be what they are. And so I, I don't I don't think there's going to be any negative repercussion of them not getting into the Hall of Fame. The um, Hall of Fame honestly doesn't seem like something that should affect it that much. 
to be honest. Well, it does. I mean, it does though. I mean, like I said, if you look at if you look at historical sets of of cards, the Hall of Fame players always carry a premium in price compared to the other players in those sets. Um, but all right, that, that's enough on that. I feel like I've rambled a little bit, so apologies on that. But that, that's our take. Labor talks don't seem to, you know no more movement there, so that's unfortunate. Tops did release their Series One checklist um, for that's coming out I think next week, and so that, interesting there. Wander Franco is going to have that RC logo, so the rookie card designation in that card. He's also going to have an autograph card in that set, as will Vlad, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Tatis Jr. Uh, Soto, Otani, Lewis, like I, I like to say, Robert, uh, Joey Bart, uh, Jared Kellenick, Dylan Car- uh, Carlson, Bo Bichet, Bichette, uh, however you want to say that, Eloy Jimenez, and uh, several others have autographs in that set. But I think that Wander Franco is probably going to be the chase, would be my guess. And there's some dual autographs in there with like Acuna Jr. and Soto and others. So anyway, it's going to be some interesting cards in that set. That's coming out next week. Another little sleeper to think about. I saw this news. This actually was out a while ago, but I think now is the time to talk about it, and that is a guy by the name of Michael Lorenzen. He was a two-way player, pitcher and hitter like Otani. was drafted, I believe, by the Cincinnati Reds, I think in maybe 2013 to 2015, somewhere in that time frame. And he's got some 2015 rookie cards, Bowman Chrome, Tops Update, that type of deal. But it seemed like the Reds never really knew what to do with him. Well, in the offseason, he signed a one-year deal with the Angels for $7 million. And so it's interesting because the Angels have Otani. You know, yeah, they had su- actually pretty interesting. Yeah, so they had success with a guy that was a two-way player. And now here comes Lorenzen. And he was really, you know, a guy that was kind of promoted to be this this potential like Otani-like player um, years ago. So it'll be interesting to see if they resurrect his career this next year. And I haven't, I'll be honest, I've not had time to look up his cards, so I don't know what they're selling for. I can't imagine they're selling for much because, you know, you can probably pick up his rookie cards in PSA 10, I would bet, for 20 30 40 bucks, something like that. So anyway, he could be an interesting, if you want to play a little speculative flip game, he could be an interesting one to do that with because you could probably pick his cards up real cheap, and if he ends up, you know, going both ways next season, if there is a season, and pitching and hitting and having some success, then you absolutely will see the value of his cards go up. All right, that's probably enough baseball for today. Let's go. Where do you want to go next? Let's just go to the NFL. All right. Let's talk uh, football. Football. Yeah. Let's talk some. Well, we at least fared a little better. We at least fared a little better this last week. We were one and one. FC we, NFC, we got the Rams say. right. We did not get the uh, Bengals right. We both had yeah. the yeah Chiefs. They're but. legit, man. But also, I don't. Yeah, hey, it's tough. Con- congrats to the Bengals. Congrats to Joe Burrow and that whole team. They look. They they're, they're legit. I, they're legit. They're and legit. and the real deal. That said, I I don't take anything back that I said before. I still think. You know that Tennessee should have won that game. I still think that Kansas City should have beat the Bengals. I think that that play at the end of the first half really changed the tone of the game, where they they throw it to Tyree Kill. He doesn't get in. Clock runs out. They don't score. You know, had they scored there, I think the tone of the game changes. Obviously, you know, made a difference at the end because even if they get a field goal, I mean, that made a difference at the end of the game. That would have made the difference, as it turned out. And you never know how the rest of that second half goes if they score and you know what does that mean for just kind of the overall 
mental attitude of, of the teams going forward because something certainly seemed to change after that play. And it's kind of one of those plays where, like, you give a team hope and then they turn that around and end up winning the game. So kudos to them and kudos to the Bengals Another fans. Another game one off of walk-off field goal. Yeah. Kudos to Bengals fans. Congrats to y'all. Team's going to the Super Bowl. That's fantastic. And we got to say, we got to talk about, like, Joe Burrow may be only the third quarterback in the history of the league to win a Super Bowl and a national championship in college. The other two, by the way, were also Joe's. So there must mm-hmm. be something about that. Joe Montana and Joe Namath. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Montana did it with Notre Dame. Joe Namath, of course, with Alabama. And then Joe Burrow with LSU. And then in the Super Bowl, it was obviously Joe Montana with the 49ers, Joe Namath with the Jets, and now Joe Burrow with the Bengals. Now, he also may be the first quarterback to win the what they'll call the Triple Crown, which is a Heisman Trophy in college, a national championship in college, and a Super Bowl. So if he wins, that's that's the kind of uh, company that he's going to be in the midst of. There are three other players in the NFL to have done that. They just weren't quarterbacks. And those players were Marcus Allen, who's the running back for the Raiders, played for, I think, Kansas City and a couple other t- teams in his career, but really for the Raiders. Charles Woodson, who is a defensive back, also for the Raiders. And then Tony Dorsett, who is the famed running back with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, all three of which, by the way, when you talk about sport card values, I think Marcus Allen, Charles Woodson, and Tony Dorsett have some are interesting values. I think there's good values in some of those guys' cards, especially the rookie cards. So if you want to collect them um, and ha- or, or look at something that might have some long-term investment value, those are ones to look at. But we're talking about Joe Burrow. So we'll see. That's that's what's on the line if uh, if he wins the Super Bowl for him anyway. All right. Well, what's your prediction for the Super Bowl? Well, here's the thing. I'm gonna I gonna let's talk about the betting lines. This is a good opportunity to introduce that into the conversation. Okay. Not because we promote gambling. I do not do that. We're not we're not promoting that. Don't suggest anyone should go out and bet on the game. But there are some aspects of the betting lines that I think can play into the sports card and help you in the sports card market because it can help you understand what might be baked in to the prices of the cards ahead of the game and how the cards values might react after the game depending on the outcome of the game so right now when i look at the betting lines in vegas they have the rams as a favorite by my it's a minus four so a minus means rams are favorites and by four points because what you do is you if the rams were to win they've got to win by four or more and depending on on the how it's done but let's just say four or more um, so, in other words, if the score was uh, 20 to 17, Rams get 20, Bengals 17, and you bet on the Bengals, you actually win because you would take four points off the Rams from 20 down to 16. And so the Bengals would win that 20, 17 to 16 based on that line. So that's how that works. So, anyway, Vegas has the Rams as a favorite by minus four. And then the, the over under, by the way, is 48 and a half, meaning. If you bet over, then there needs to be a combined 49 points or more scored by both teams combined. Um, or if you bet the under, they need to be 48 or less for you to win. And then the money line, which is just who's going to win straight out. So you have the spread. That minus four is what's called the spread. Then you have the money line. The money line is just win or lose. doesn't matter the, the, the spread. doesn't matter by how many points. It's just they win, whether it's by one or by ten or by whatever. 
And so the money line has the Rams as a favorite as well at minus 190. The Bengals are plus 160. And all those numbers mean is that um, for the is it's it, they're based on a hundred dollar bet. So like for the Bengals, if you bet a hundred dollars, a plus one sixty means you're going to earn one hundred and sixty dollars for every hundred dollars bet. Um, so more than double your money. If it's a minus one ninety, it just means you have to bet one hundred ninety dollars to win a hundred dollars. I don't know why they do it that way. That's just the way it's always been done. But that's what those things mean. Bottom line is that's not much of a spread to be honest. Mm-hmm. Generally, a three point spread or less would be a pick 'em. And this is four, so I'd say Rams are a little bit of a favorite. And I would say if the Bengals win, given that, you probably see a pop in Bengal, you know, Burrow, Jamar Chase, um, depending on the kinds of games those guys have. Probably a few different players on the Bengals team that can get a pop, but Burrow and Chase are probably the two most prominent that would get pops. On the flip side with the Rams, if the Rams win – I don't know that you see a lot of movement in a lot of their guys' cards. Maybe Stafford gets a little bit of a bump because it's his first Super Bowl, so now he can say he's a Super Bowl champion. You know, maybe Cup because he was a triple crown winner and, you know, best receiver or, you know, I guess arguably in in uh, in football and then wins the Super Bowl. But other guys on that team, like Donald or Von Miller or um, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, who else? Some of the other guys they got. I'm not sure you really see much of a bump in any of those other guys' cards. And I, that, you know. So who are you taking? Yeah. So, <laughs> who's, so, who's your, so at the end of the day, who are you taking? I'm trying to think about that. What's going to happen on the card value perspective based on that? Who am I taking? I'm torn, man. Because honestly, so here's, I'm going to do what I did before, the, what I've done with a couple other games in the past. And when I usually when I do this, it's it's the brains. I go with my emotional side and it's the brain side that uh, I should have gone with. that wins the brain side of me says the Rams says the Rams have the better defense, potentially a better team all around, at least on paper. And so they should win. But the emotional side of me says the Bengals are hot right now. They just I mean, look at what they just did. They just got past the Titans on the road the Chiefs on the road and now they're going to go in and face the Rams I mean also on the road the Rams are at home by the way that's right which is the second that's right which that is, is right interesting I forgot last year, about that last year was the first time ever that a team has played a home Super Bowl game and this year is the second time ever second actually time which is back to back and that's in like in like forever you know that is right i so totally the rams forgot are about playing that. at home so that wow. is a big advantage yeah although you know what the rams fans don't really turn out and give them a huge home field advantage to be honest um that's interesting though that's an interesting fact so boy i don't you know like i said i the i i probably gonna i'm probably gonna go rams but so i will all right we got to make a call so i'll make a call i'm gonna go rams but I do got to say, I would not be shocked if the Bengals end up winning this. But I think ultimately the Rams have the better defense. And so my theory all along has been to go with the better defense if, if the offenses are relatively equal. Although that doesn't, theory doesn't seem to have played out very well for me throughout the playoffs. But that's where I, that's how I'm going to go. I'm going to say Rams. All right. Um, and I, I think it's a close one. It is a close I one. I think it's a close game. Um, well, I'm going with the Cincinnati Bengals. Nice, I I'm like it. Go with the Good. Bengals. So you've caved. I'm riding with so you Joe. Went... I'm riding with Joe Cool. <laughs> All right, I'm riding with Joe Burrow. So you went from no, let, always... let's go Joe Burr. I've heard some people say there's already a Joe, like Joe Cool. Joe Cool is Joe Montana Joe cool. well, or you Joe know, Namath. 
Joe Montana, I think, was the Joe Cool. Everybody called him Joe Cool, but I never really like Joe Burr. fully understood it until I saw his post game interview after like the Titans like on the field, and I was like, man, he is cool. <laughs> he just like has like some like way that about the way like he talks, and it's just like really just like relaxed and like yeah. I get I get it now. Yeah. Well, I think we should go with Joe Burr. I think that's Joe I think Burr. that's fitting. Yeah, Burr. That's that's you know. All right, but so you're gonna go from yeah, last week Joe. saying the Bengals are a bad team. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> say they were a bad. You're picking team. them to win the Super Bowl. I know. They're not in a bad fairness, team. I know you did. They're you, just you just between, clearly not not, not have never than, been the favorite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm with you exactly. Now we, I agree. We the Bengals are not a bad team, and they had a good season, and they do have a good up and coming team. Um, but they're not up and coming anymore because they're in the Super Bowl. Mm-mm. So now they're here. But all right, well let's let's move on from that now. Um, yeah, talk about some other big news in NFL. In NFL, oh, we got yeah. Well, let's, uh, huge unf- news. Unfortunately, right. we got to move through this quick because we want to get to basketball. But obviously, the big news was Tom Brady's retirement, mm-hmm. and this comes after Ben Roethlisberger's retirement. So, which maybe not as huge news, but still, I mean, it's Ben's pretty gonna, big news. Ben's probably going to end we up being in the Hall of already, Fame. So yeah, that, that's the only thing we didn't. We weren't really sure what Tom Brady was so going to do. So, do you think Tom gets in the Hall? No, probably not. I would say probably not. First ballot. Um, first ballot. No. Yeah. And now, what does it mean for his cards? I have, I don't think his cards have necessarily gone up significantly. I'm, I'm I'm trying to find some of the values on Card Ladder right now while we're talking, but you know maybe card here and there has had a little bit of a bump. I know one of his, um, I think it was the Contenders card, just set a record, but it wasn't a huge record relative to what some of his other stuff has done. So. Anyway, I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, there's nothing more he can do in terms of proving that he's he's the GOAT and his cards are already pretty expensive. I think the bigger issue with his retirement is the impact it has on other players' cards. So really? what is it going to do? Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting for Gronk, especially because – Gronk I mean, probably retires. He probably is going to retire right? again. I mean, because so. he came out of retirement specifically to go to Tampa Bay to play with Brady to win some Super Bowls. They yeah. won the one. And now if Brady's not there, yeah, I think he retires. And then I think you got guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Now Godwin, I think, is going to be a free agent this this year in the off season. And uh, those guys, it's probably a negative for, to be honest. Um, the other one though that I think is really interesting is Kyle Trask. He's the he was a rookie this year. Um, obviously, the backup quarterback for Tampa Bay behind Brady. And so the question now, I guess, becomes: Does he take over the reins? And become the starter, or does Tampa Bay do something else in the offseason to bring in another quarterback? So we'll see. But if Kyle Trask becomes the starter there, that could be interesting. I mean, we'll see. I don't. I don't know. He was at where Florida, I think, is where he played, right? I'm not sure. Um, coming out of college, you know, and had. I mean, he was he was pretty decent. So it's going to be interesting to see how he does in the NFL. There's not a lot of his pro uniform stuff out right now. There's some Don Russ. I think he's in the Immaculate. Uh, the prism football is coming in, I think, a few weeks. Um, so there'll be some more stuff coming out on him. Uh, so you can look for that in some of those hobby boxes. But, yeah, I think that's probably the bigger question is is what impact does it have on the cards of some of those other players. The offseason is going to be interesting this year. you got a lot of free agents and a lot of moving parts and pieces. Obviously, big quarterbacks going to be moving around. Rodgers, you know, Russell Wilson. What's going to happen with Deshaun Watson? You know, what about Jeremy Garoppolo in, in, in San Francisco? And then other guys, you know, we talked like Derek Carr 
with the Raiders. He's a free agent. What, what's he going to do this next year? Kirk Cousins in Minnesota is a free agent. Where is he going to go? Uh, and then you've got some other players like Vaughn Miller, Allen Robinson, a receiver in Chicago, who had monster seasons up until this past year, was like non-existent this last year. We talked about Chris Godwin, Devontae Adams, obviously, in, in Green Bay, um, and Dominican Sue with the Rams, uh, Leonard Fournette, Cordero Patterson in Atlanta, who had a great – Mike Gusecki in, in, with, in Miami. So a bunch of other, you know, really big free agents this offseason. There's going to be a lot of movement. It's going to be interesting to see. And, and that movement will absolutely have impact on card value. So if you're interested in, you know, investing in some football cards and, you know, based on kind of how what things might look like next year, you're definitely going to want to pay attention to the moves that happen in, in free agency because they, they will have an impact on the card values of a lot of these players depending on where they end up. Oh, definitely. That's a lot of – I mean, that's a lot of big names. That's yeah, there's a lot. NFL is going to shuffle a lot. It is. Season. Yeah, this next year is going to be really interesting. And, you know, I think my Broncos are going to probably be looking for a quarterback, I would bet. Now, honestly, I hope we don't get Rodgers. Not because, <laughs> not anything against Rodgers. I just, he's just, you just I don't want a one and done. Yeah. yeah, I don't want a one and done. Because then we're right back where we were with Peyton Manning. Now, Peyton Manning wasn't one and done. He was there five years, went to two Super Bowls, lost one, won one. But still... I want I'd want something a little more long term because I think Denver's set up well to be a really good team and for a long time because they're very young with a lot of good players but they need a good quarterback to and we'll see you know what happens there for what it's worth that's another big news in the NFL the Broncos actually are up for sale it's expected to be the most expensive sale in sports history expected to top I've heard I've heard over four billion. Um, 3.3 billion was the most expensive uh, amount paid for a sports franchise. That was what, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Cy, uh, with Al, uh, with the co-founder of Alibaba. He paid that for the Brooklyn Nets, and so it's. I think the Broncos probably end up going for, you know, four billion plus. It's interesting. Obviously, I'm a fan of the Broncos, so Homer alert there. But the Broncos are often an overlooked franchise, given how much success they've had. People sort of discount them, I found, when I have conversations with folks. People want to talk about the Patriots. They want to talk about the Steelers. They want to talk about the Cowboys. Not often do people talk about the Broncos as being one of the more storied franchises in the NFL, but the reality of it is they are. So, and I, you know, some quick stats here. From 1976 to 2016, so that's a span of 41 years. During that 41-year span, the Broncos only had six losing seasons think about that mm-hmm. 35 winning seasons to six losing seasons and uh, maybe a more interesting stat is that not never in that 41 year span did they have back-to-back losing seasons never never back-to-back for 40 some odd years and by the way one of those losing seasons was the strike shortened season and I think that was 82 or something like that I forget the year but they went to the Super Bowl eight times eight times only the Patriots have more at 11 and the Steelers and the Cowboys that I talked about the people you know they also been in the Super Bowl eight times so you have the Broncos the Steelers and the Cowboys been in eight the Patriots have been in 11 now they've made they they won what three of them so that's one reason people don't you know think of them in the same context as the Cowboys and the Steelers and the Patriots because those franchises have won more Super Bowls than the Broncos have um, but Broncos are tied for fourth, winning three Super Bowls. There are, although there are nine teams that have won three or more, and six 
or two teams that have won six, which I think is the Patriots and the Steelers, if I'm not mistaken. Broncos made the playoffs 22 times during that 41-year span. They finished first or second in their division 28 times. They were first 15 times. And like I said, never had back-to-back losing seasons. But now, over the last five seasons, they've had five losing seasons in a row. They've had six straight seasons without making the playoffs. It's really unprecedented for that franchise, and that's why you see Broncos fans kind of losing their minds a little bit about what's been going on because we're spoiled. This hasn't happened to us, and other franchises are probably like, hey, join the club. We just, you know, we've been in this boat oh, for a man, long time. Five losing seasons in a row. That's a lot. It is a lot. I mean, for and a six, rebuild, five, six without five making the playoffs. It's a pretty long rebuild. Like, and, and six without making the playoffs. Now, again, if you're you know, the Bengals or some of these other teams – where you've had long spans or, or some of the teams that haven't even been to a Super Bowl, much less win one. Um, and you've got teams that haven't been in the playoffs for 10 plus years, but nonetheless, you're right. I mean, the bottom line, Broncos fans are spoiled, but this has been a dry spell for them. And really, you know, I think it comes down to, in my mind, there's probably a few different pieces of the puzzle, but really we need a quarterback. That's what we need. But so we'll see what happens. They did get a new coach. Obviously, he's got the Green Bay Packers. I forget his name, the offensive coordinator from the Packers. So we'll see what happens there. But the big news is they're up for sale. So they're going to have new ownership. We'll see what happens. That's going to be that's going to be interesting. I, I Like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a $4 billion number put on that. All right, that's enough on that. Where else do we want to go? Well, I guess real quick, we can say that Washington is now the commander's Oh, that's right. They're Washington a got a new nickname. They are the Commanders. Do you, commanders. What do you think? Thumbs up? Thumbs down? I am not neutral? A, I don't really. I, I don't really care, but I'm not like the biggest fan of it. It's not like it doesn't really. Yeah, it doesn't strike you one way or the other. It's like it's kind of like Washington Commanders. It's kind of like you know, kinda, like the Washington Wizards. So they were the Bullets and not the Wizards. It's just kind of Bullets Wizards. Either name is just kind of eh. Yeah. It's like Washington. I don't know. Washington yeah, has sure trouble finding. That one. Washington has trouble finding good names for their teams. It <laughs> apparently, seems. Um, apparently, like the well, commander. The, the, the commanders to me seems like in, in hockey, the same line probably. for like the bullets, and I'm just like, yeah, that sort of theme, and I'm just like, eh, yeah, I'm not really a, the biggest fan, but I don't know. It's better than the football team, so yeah. All right. I liked Red Wolves. I really liked Red Wolves. A lot of people like a lot of people yeah. wanted them to be the Red Wolves, and that that's was like bad. a name that they considered. Yeah, I liked that one. That's to be not honest. bad. Yeah, um, that's not bad. But the Commanders—that's what it is. Yeah, that's that's that that's that's the way to say it. That's what it is. All right, so let's go basketball. We'll do some basketball talk, and right. then we'll probably have to wrap up the show. So where do we want to go first? And let's basketball? talk about All Stars because we skipped it last week. We had the starters announced last week, and we skipped over talking about it so we could talk about it all at once. Okay. Um, so now we have both the starters and the reserves released. We can go ahead and start there. Let's just start with the starters. So I'll start with the East because the East was pretty easy. First of all, the well, the starters with two captains. So the captain of the East was Kevin Durant, and the captain of the West was LeBron James. And really all that means, if you haven't really paid attention to the NBA All-Star game in a while, um, they stopped doing the East-West thing like a few years ago. Now they have captains, which are voted by the fans. And those two captains from each conference will draft players uh, in a draft that will take place on February 10th. And they will play with those teams. And actually, interestingly enough, LeBron is 4-0 and um, in the All-Star game for his, for his team, like drafting-wise. So... So LeBron's the captain for the West. Durant is the captain for the East. And then so following the East starters, we have obviously Kevin Durant. 
Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, those three were pretty much locks. That was easy. And then your guards are Trey Young and DeMar DeRozan, but which is But Durant's probably not going to play, right? He's not going to play, so he'll get replaced. And I, I, That'll be interesting to talk about because the East Reserves are interesting. We'll see who takes his place. That'll be interesting to see. Um, I would have liked to see Zach Levine be the other uh, starter beside DeMar DeRozan, but Trey Young is definitely having a fantastic season. I mean, he's yeah. like averaging like, I think like probably like 27 and 10 yeah or like probably 27 8 27 9 assists yep um i mean he's playing great so i I have no complaints there so the west starters are a little more interesting so we have obviously lebron james uh nikola Jokic, and then andrew wiggins is making his first all-star appearance as a starter that's big which is that's i mean that's that's really great for him i'm i'm happy for him for sure yep and then your guards are steph curry and john morant and that's interesting talking about Wiggins because for me, I would have put Draymond on that starting spot. And if we look at the voting, because the way the voting works for these is there's a fan vote, there's a media vote, there's a player vote. Draymond was ahead of Wiggins in both the media and the player vote. It was the fan vote that got Wiggins as a starter because the fan vote is worth 50%, whereas the other two are worth 25% in like weight in voting. And so... That's interesting. I'm not going to complain about it, though, by any means, because Wiggins, he, I mean, he absolutely deserves to be an all-star this year. It's great for him to be a starter. If you saw him out after they released that, like in the games, I mean, he was just like all smiles. So it was like really cool to see. Yeah. Um, so that's great. So now we'll get to the reserves, which were announced yesterday. I'll start with the West because the West was pretty easy. Like literally anybody who really pays any attention to the NBA if they were going to pick the all-star reserves to the West, pretty much everybody would pick at least six of these guys would be like the same. And one of them, you would really have only like two choices. So the West reserves were Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Luka Doncic, Rudy Gobert, Draymond Green, Donovan Mitchell, and then Carl Anthony Towns. And so I think the only one there that really would be up for debate would be Carl Anthony Towns. Um, but the only other person I could really see fitting there is Jaron Jackson Jr. Personally, I would have picked Towns, but a lot of people would have picked um, Triple J just to give Memphis uh, a little bit more, Yeah, but I guess, representation for like how their season's going. But I, I, I would think that that cat is definitely the pick here. Yeah, I like Towns as well. He's out, and he's put together a fantastic season. Exactly. And now, I, I, I like Minnesota getting some representation. Cause I agree. They, I, I do have to great. say, though, and I, now I understand it because you got Stefan you got Steph Curry and John Morant, but Devin Booker. I mean that. Yeah, he, he I mean, ought to be. A, he could be a starter or Chris Paul. And I will say, like a lot of people really wanted to see a, a Phoenix Suns player as a starter, represent getting represented as a starter. Yeah, I mean, they're only the best team in the NBA. Exactly. I mean, they are the best team, and it's not. It's not even close. Yeah. Like it's not even close. They're ahead by a lot at this point, and so. But yeah, I mean, I definitely see like Steph Curry and John Morant. Like, I wouldn't necessarily put them in front of those. But I mean, those two, Booker and Chris Paul, were absolute locks to be all stars anyway. Yeah, um, I would agree. But so now we'll go to the East reserves, and this one is a little bit more interesting because there was a lot more debate about players in the East. So I'll just go ahead and run through them real quick, and then we can talk about some other people, and I'll give you what my pick would be. So the East reserves. On uh, your front court, you have Jimmy Butler, you have Chris Middleton, you have Jason Tatum, and then we've got our guards Darius Garland, 
James Harden, Zach Levine, and Fred Van Vliet making his first appearance. Good for him. Yeah, which I actually I I wanted him to be an All Star. That was my pick too. So it's interesting because you have a couple players here that are not here that a lot of people had as making it. Well, one of the obvious big ones is Lamelo Ball. Well, Lamelo Ball, yeah, he, a lot of people had him as an All Star. Honestly, I think he's an All Star caliber player, but I wouldn't say he's an All Star this year. Yeah. From Charlotte, I actually had Miles Bridges being. Uh, a bigger candidate for all-star and so he was so Lamelo and miles bridges jared allen i'm really surprised didn't make it yeah um you have other guys like tyler hero a lot of people had tyler hero personally i probably wouldn't but a lot of people did yep um if i were to give you mine i would have said so i had jason tatum on there for sure zach levine obviously and james harden and jimmy butler those four for sure um and then i had fred van vliet i had jared allen and um, I had I had Miles Bridges. I really did. I thought Miles Bridges would have good. I think he's the leading candidate for most improved, and usually the most improved player is also an All Star. Yeah. But I think it's interesting. You could actually see that being Darius Garland now. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how that race shapes up. But I I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Um, a lot of people had what conflicting about, lists. What about Sabonis? Sabonis absolutely could. Of course, he's injured now, right? He's injured now, so... So he probably wouldn't and, play anyway. And the Pacers kind of suck, but, I mean, he absolutely could be on there. Yeah. I was actually surprised that Chris Middleton made it. Um, I don't have, think a lot of people had him. Now, if you look at his season, he's absolutely playing like an all-star. He always does. Well... Um, I just wasn't sure if he was going to be an all-star this season. The other thing, too, and I get probably he's injured, probably going to miss the rest of the season, and maybe hasn't had the kind of season you would normally expect from him. But what about a guy like Dame Lillard? I mean, he's not on any of this. Well, the issue with Dame Lillard is he just missed too much time. Yeah. Um, I mean, even if he he wasn't having a great season to start anyway. Now nah, he's the West, think, not the East. But yeah. yeah, but I think even if he, even though he didn't have a great season, if he would have played more, he probably would have been and, a pick. And but. I guess, well, and I guess the other problem there is the West is just loaded the with West guards. The West is really loaded with great with players guards. and guards, great guards, for yeah, sure. He would have been in, probably in contention with, like, a Donovan Mitchell, but I don't think there's really, this season at least, I don't really think there's an argument to be made there, for sure. Um, so those are your All-Stars. Uh, it'll be fun to see the draft, to see who goes where. Now, moving on, I want to talk about the Rising Stars game, because all-Star Weekend, they're actually, I mean, they're doing, like, the full All-Star Weekend this year. Last year, they didn't have everything. They didn't have the Rising Stars game. They didn't have the Celebrity game. This year, they're doing everything again. Now, the Rising Stars game this year is actually going to be a little bit different. So, basically, instead of one game, it's going to be a three-game tournament with four different teams. And the interesting thing about this is they're actually going to bring up four players from G League Ignite. Now, if you don't know what G League Ignite is... It is just basically a team in the G League where they combine draft-eligible prospects with uh, NBA veterans. And when I say, like, these are draft-eligible prospects, these are usually guys who are, like, super, super young, guys that are, like, out of high school, guys that are still in high school. It's so, like a lot of the time you see these guys are, like, 17, 18 years old. They put them on a team with NBA veterans so that they can learn and play professional basketball. Again, the G League is professional basketball. These guys do get paid to play. It is not obviously as much as the NBA, but it is, you know, it's a taste of what professional basketball is like. And it's a great experience for these guys that, you know, have great talent and can absolutely go pro. And so you see a lot of really, really great 
prospects on this Ignite. And I think Jalen Green came out of G League Ignite, um, who was, again, second well, pick in the draft this, uh, this past year. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to look. I think, because I want to say, and I'm, I'm trying to look as you're talking, Tops has the license to some basketball uh, but I'm trying to figure out what it is. It might be the G League. I'm trying to get to it to see if I can. But if you are looking for, for cards for some of these um, players, you, you might check out Tops because uh, they are, gosh, I'm not sure why. Let me Hold on a second. Let me look at the, uh, the back at one of these cards. It doesn't say. I don't, I'm not seeing here where it's telling me. They're just saying it's Bowman's next basketball. All right, so we can go ahead and go over who the players were for the Rising Stars roster. So the four Ignite players we'll talk about were Jaden Hardy, uh, Dyson Daniels, Scoot Henderson, and then finally uh, Marjan Beauchamp. Uh, Scoot Henderson is an interesting one for me. He's super young. He's like 17 years old. He didn't finish high he just came out straight out of high school he didn't finish high school actually to go play with ignite so that should be interesting one to see he's an absolute talent um and so cool thing about the way that this is going to work is that each of the four teams are going to be coached by an nba legend there is uh team barry uh rick barry isaiah thomas gary payton and james worthy will all be coaching some of these teams so the draft has actually already happened so on uh team barry you have Cade cunningham Dyson Daniels, Evan Mobley, Isaac Okoro, Alperin Shangun, Jayshon Tate, and Franz Wagner. Team Isaiah, you have Precious Achua, Desmond Bain, Sadiq Bey, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, Jaden Hardy, and Isaiah Stewart. Team Peyton, you have Lamelo Ball, Scotty Barnes, Ayo uh, Dasunmu, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, Chris Duarte, Scoot Sounds Henderson, right. <laughs> Jaden McDaniels, and Davion Mitchell. And then finally, on Team Worthy, Cole Anthony, Marjon Beauchamp, Josh Giddy, Jalen Green, Herbert Jones, Tyrese Maxey, and Jalen Suggs. So that'll be a pretty interesting thing to, to see. And actually, these games are going to be formatted a little bit differently. They're going to be playing to a target score rather than playing until the clock runs out. So the game will end on a made basket or free throw. Uh, the first round will be to 50 points. And then... Game three will be played until a team reaches 25 points. And then in between games two and three, there's actually something that I literally just saw just now called the Clorox Clutch Challenge. And basically, it'll be a timed shooting competition. Uh, but again, between games two and three, a total of eight NBA and NBA G League Ignite players will be divided into four teams of two and compete to make shots from five locations on the court tied to iconic shots made in the NBA playoffs, which I think is pretty interesting. So it'll be interesting to see what those shots will be. Um, I'm going to say I bet the Ray Allen shot will be on there for sure. Um, be interesting to see what other shots that they have. I don't know. But that is the Rising Stars game this year. So again, a little bit different. Those are your Rising Stars. Uh, again, those are your All-Stars. So that's really uh, that's what I had for All-Star Weekend. That's that kind of be- pretty much sums it up. Um, yeah, that's going to be interesting to, to watch. I, you know, and I don't know. I was, I was talking about whether Tops. I'm, I'm not sure that it's the G League that uh, Tops is is doing the cards on for those players. So I'll have to, I'll have to look that up and get more on that to see what that is because I do know Tops is doing some some basketball cards for some up and coming players that are not in the NBA yet. I'm just not sure. Some of them I know are college, 
but I'm not sure if any of those are also in the G League. But anyway, well, it'll be interesting to see those G League players go up against NBA players, yeah, and see how they perform. And it obviously is like a All Star type game, but it'll still be interesting to see, yeah, um, for sure. I like the shooting competitions myself. I like some of the competitions. I do now, like the, the three point the, competitions. Always really fun. Yeah. Um, the dunk contest anymore, it seems like, because these guys have gotten so big, they can jump out of the gym that anymore that it's almost say, like, like, you the know. The dunk contests, like, from, like, 2018 to 2020 were great. The dunk contest last year sucked. I'm going to be completely honest. It was not It's kind good. of gotten sort um, of anticlimactic. I mean, you you know, it's kind of like you've, you've been there, done that. You've seen everything well, anymore. The, that people, I think you know. the issue is, like, yeah, that, but, like, like, you saw those Aaron Gordon versus Zach Levine and, like, Aaron Gordon versus um, Derek Jones Jr. dunk contest that literally just like went forever, and they had like the craziest like probably, probably, besides like the Dominique Jordan back and forth, probably some of the greatest dunk contests like ever. Yeah, I'm not and I'm like 100% serious with that. If you haven't seen those dunk contests, they're crazy, and like especially the 2021, they just kept getting 50s like and they did like like way more dunks than they normally do. Mm. And so I think after that you go to the like last year and like they like did like maybe three dunks per person and like only for like the two people that made it to yeah. like the next rounds and it was just kind of like the dunks weren't that great and like there weren't that many. I think after coming off of like those three years where you were like nuts, it's just like oh this isn't as good. It's like this isn't as is, good and it's like is Jaw in the dunk for. contest? Is Jaw? I don't know, but be. he should be. He should be. I know Jalen Green. People are saying Jalen Green is. I'm not really. I haven't seen anywhere that they announced like. Yeah. Who the contestants are, but I, all right. I don't know. But, okay. I well, mean, that's, uh, that's really all I had. We So you got the trade deadline coming up. Trade deadline, NBA is February 10th, right? I believe, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, coming up in about five or six days. And so obviously the big news is Ben Simmons with the 76ers. I shouldn't say news. Speculation continues to be around Simmons and where he might go. Literally before we started recording the show, there was a story out that said, the Nets might actually have interest in dealing Harden for Simmons. Kind of makes some sense if you think about where the Nets are at with KD being out. They haven't been playing so great. Kyrie's, you know, and Harden. So I don't know. It, you know, we'll see what happens there. Well, that'll be interesting because Harden did say he was going to uh, try free agency this summer, and so. It's interesting to see if they're just going to get them out before yeah. then. And then also... To not even have to like deal with it. Also breaking news, right, as we started to record, I believe, or maybe it was... Maybe, well, we saw it right as we started to record. It might have come out earlier. But the there was a trade with the Trailblazers, with Portland and the Clippers. So it looks like the Clippers are sending Eric Bledsoe... They're sending Justice Winslow and Keon Johnson and a 2025 second-round draft pick that actually comes through the Pistons to Portland, and then Portland is sending Powell and Covington to Los Angeles. That's a huge win for Los Angeles. That's, that's a really that, good move. I know. Wow. We were talking about that before I mean, we started recording. That a, feels that like a, such a great move for the Clippers. I feel like, like the Clippers got the better end of and that And the Clippers deal. are already they're already still a great team without Paul George and Kawhi, and they just got better. With Kawhi and Paul George, like literally the Clippers, but Kawhi might be out for the oh season. Oh my goodness! Right? Well, yeah, but like I'm talking like long term. Like once both of those guys are back, like the Clippers, the Clippers last year I thought would have made the finals if not for Kawhi's injury. I really did. Yeah, man, they are such a good team with everybody, and they just got even better. 
Yeah. It's nuts. Like, once they come back, they're probably going to be the favorites again. I don't know, man. It's They just got a lot better, though. That's interesting for the Blazers, though, just because it seems like they are starting to make some big moves. I mean, those are two big pieces for them. So. Well, those, I mean, those are younger players. That mm-hmm. one, uh, oh, which one? Who was it? Yeah, Keon was, Johnson. Was he the, the He was like the 21st pick of mm-hmm. the draft yeah, he's a good last player. year. So, I mean, it is maybe some young players, but I don't know. Hey, that's just the start of what they really need to do. I mean, they they need they really need to rebuild. They just do. They like they need to change. They need to change something. All right. Well, I, and I think it's some. We don't have time today because we're running a little bit long, but we need to spend some time talking about Phoenix. And I I I'll, I need to do another take look at Devin Booker's cards. I know Chris Paul too, but man, they it's it's kind of hard to think that a team like them is underrated per se, but it. All the talk seems to always be around Golden State, around Memphis, around the Lakers, and you know, around everyone else. Um, and that's that's the West. In the East, obviously, you got Chicago and Miami Gosh, and Philly oh and Milwaukee. We need to talk about but, the East race next and time because it is ridiculous. It like, is the top six is so tight. But it's my, like nuts. yeah, but but Phoenix here is just sitting here running away with it. And seems to not get talked about. And Devin Booker I mean, is I just feel lighting like it up. And, maybe I feel like in know. the NBA world, it's. I mean, they get talked about en- enough. I mean, yeah. everybody just they're they're just a really great team, and everybody seems to. Well, we got to spend that. Everybody next, says they're great, and they well, are great. I know they do. That's true. But I'm saying like maybe, and maybe I should. Maybe it's more in the sports card world. I mean, Devin Booker's cards are expensive, but. I'll I'll put some card stuff together for for basketball next time we can we can because we haven't done a lot of in depth card look you know looking at cards for some of these players so we'll we'll take a look at some of that to see where some of that stuff is at see where we can maybe find some values what's what looks undervalued what might look overvalued that type of thing. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Well, that's uh that's probably all we have time for. Today. Is that it? Yeah. Well. As we suspected, we've gone long, and so we will push what we had planned for the Coach's Corner to the next show. And so that will be the show for today. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Brandon, go ahead. Take us out. All right, so we hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, we're open to suggestions and do incorporate listener suggestions on our show, so please feel free to let us know what you like, don't like, things you like to hear more about, all that stuff. And also let us know if you have any specific guests you'd like us to interview. This is your show. We'd love to hear from you and get your feedback so that we can make the show better and more enjoyable for you. Remember to check us out on social media. Like and follow our pages and channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and check out our website, www.the615collector.com, and subscribe to our email list. And if you're so inclined, we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a five-star rating on your podcast platform, especially on Apple and or Spotify. I think it's I'm not sure if you can do that on Spotify, but definitely on Apple that helps us out and so if you like what you hear give us that five star rating all right that's a wrap for episode 15 thanks to all of our listeners and supporters we really appreciate each and every one of you and we will see you all next friday same time same place here on the 615 collector